Hey, Education Andy here to tell you about our upcoming show at Pasadena's famous Ice House. Saturday night, May 9th, Kevin Smith and I will be bringing you our special blend of cocktail party facts and fun. You just buy your tickets at csmod.com, show up, and sit there while we talk. They have chairs and wait staff and drinks and food and everything. Live Education shows are special because we always do a fun experiment. Maybe you'll be one of the test subjects. Who knows? And when I ask who knows, I really just mean it rhetorically, so don't try to answer that. Go to csmod.com right this very instant. Scroll down to the Education ad on May 9th and click to buy tickets. See you there. Geek News Reviews Commentary Not just another podcast On the Ordinary Pickball Broadcast Hey Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Now here comes your host Kyle A. Barrett of the World Steve Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, all the geeky news you can use. My name is Kyle Abair. I'm an anime and video game voice actor on the West Coast. Andrew, co-host of the East Coast Otherworld, Steve, and I am the Conspiracy Theory. Oh, yeah. It is very conspiratorial. Uh, as in, for the whole reason that you were absent from last week's episode, and I had a, a special guest slash host, Sean Schimmel, the voice of Goku from Dragon Ball Z, and we were just... And I don't know if you've heard the episode, but he did a remarkable impression of you, sir. He did. He opened and closed with a remarkable impression of me. And I don't know if I should be flattered or if I should go back to crying, but it was something. It was an experience. Tears of joy, because not not many people can say the voice of Goku imitated them. That's true. That is true. Sean, uh... I don't know. He, he something about my voice. He digs. I hope it's just like not a sexual thing. Oh yeah, it's completely sexual. Let's just make no bones about it. It, it is all about that. He wants to come Kamehameha in my hee haw. Oh yeah, in your hoo ha, totally. The Kamehameha hoo ha. Yeah, absolutely. So like, um, in between that episode and this episode, we had like the world premiere of the new Dragon Ball Z movie, Resurrection F. And I didn't realize until just days before that it was actually the world premiere. It's not like, oh, it happened in Japan and here's the American one. No, this is the first time it's been seen publicly for like fans and everything. And that was, that was really, really cool. So Sean, the voice of Goku, Chris Sabat, the, uh, uh, the voice of Vegeta and Piccolo, uh, myself as the voice of adult Gohan. Uh, we also had, uh, Chris Ayers, the voice of Frieza from the current, uh, dub of Dragon Ball Z Kai on Cartoon Network Adult Swim. Uh, I had Brina Palencia there, who's done some stuff for, for DBZ Kai as well. Uh, Masako Nazawa, the original Japanese voice of Goku, Gohan, and Goten present there, as well as the Japanese director. Forgive me, I'm terrible with names. Uh, but yeah, yeah, at the Egyptian, this nice historical theater in Hollywood. And uh, it's pretty trippy. They they do the red carpet nice, I got to say. It's like my second time doing one of those. It's really surreal. I don't normally go to red carpet events because it's like, oh, look at that ant over there. That's a that's a famous person I look up to or something. Uh, they have them in Hollywood all the time. I never go. I have friends who do, and I've been invited. I'm like, nah, I'd rather see the movie myself. But um yeah, yeah. So, so that happened. We had the red carpet and it's, uh, it's trippy. And, and people want to know, how's the movie? Cause you had Battle of Gods was last year. It made a, a lot of money at the box office in Japan and in North America. This one is scheduled to come out officially this summer, uh, in English. Uh, we haven't even recorded the English version yet, but we're going to. So we got invited to the Japanese screening that had English subtitles. It was sold out. They sold that thing out within three hours. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got to say, you know, as much as I enjoy Battle of Gods for its comedy, it didn't have a lot of action. This one had a good blend of, of comedy still and way more action. It's like if you were going to introduce someone to Dragon Ball Z, this would be a good introduction introduction to them because this is finally like a movie that delivers you know when you see trailers or you see things it's like this show is just balls to the wall action this this movie actually did a really really good job and i'm not just saying that i'm not saying it because i'm biased because i'm in the cast because this is not even the version that i'm in this is the japanese version i don't normally watch anime subtitled or in japanese and um i gotta say man um 
And I know, Steve, you're a fan of Dragon Ball Z, too, and you will gladly watch it as soon as it's available. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, think, I think you'll have some, some positive thoughts on this one. I'll watch it, and like Battle of Gods, I'll, I'll have a Word document open, and I'll meticulously document everything that's wrong with it. Of course. Uh, it, it's, it's tough hearing your review, and I, I don't want to sound like an asshole. Not so later. I'll, I'll become an asshole in a little bit. But um, it's hard getting your reviews because we differ in, in what we like in Dragon Ball Z. We had a conversation not too long ago about what some of your favorite Z movies were and what you feel were some of the better ones. I kind of feel are some of the weaker ones and the ones I felt were some of the better ones you didn't particularly care for. So <laughs> we'll have a fun show once it's out in, in English or, or unless, uh, yeah. I don't know. Gods, I, I get an early copy in Japanese, but, uh, Oh yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm curious. I like that. Um, the Kira Toriyama is very hands-on with this universe. And, uh, th- I mean, there's no argument about whether or not these events are canon. I, you know, I don't want you to give any spoilers, but no. I'm, I'm very, very curious about the, this, the circumstances around Frieza's return. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious about, uh, what new levels Vegeta may possibly attain to keep in competition with Goku. Um, they look beautiful. They they look absolutely beautiful. My big complaint with and, and you can answer this certainly, but one of the big complaints I had with Battle of Gods was the CG was really jarring. It it did not mesh with the animation at all. Did you experience that issue at all with this new one? Uh, there's less CG this time, and it seemed to integrate better. It wasn't as jarring. So I'm gonna I want I want to say that they they heard the fans and they did a much better job of, of blending it. Yeah, the animation is like just beautiful. Uh, it, it's like we were watching a Blu-ray on the big screen. We probably were, you know, for for all intents and purposes. I mean, I didn't look like a film print, but uh, yeah, just just beautifully animated, great sound, a great sound mix. Um, yeah, it was cool. You know, it had its, its usual DBZ mix of, of of cheesy incidental music and then some rockin' kick-ass stuff in it, too, like they, they did with some of the earlier DBZ movies. Remember when the they put out, like, the soundtrack with, like, Dream Theater and, like, Pantera and stuff? Like, what? Okay. I remember a movie came out that was just uh, local Dallas bands, and I thought that was wild. I mean, granted, you had, like... Uh, Justin Cook, who who I believe had gone from uh, from an engineer to uh, line producer at the time, and kind of had some influence on that. Um, that was weird. That wasn't just a regional thing. That was a whole U.S. release of here's some local Texas bands. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. So if you guys want to see stuff from the Resurrection F red carpet premiere, search it out on YouTube. There's a lot of podcasters and video bloggers and and press that that interviewed everyone on there. Lots of great pictures and all that. And yeah, I know it's hard to not sound biased, but I mean, I've seen a lot of those, almost all of the DBZ movies. And I've been like, eh, I I prefer the series, but I I like the direction that the, that the movie universe is going in. And uh, I'm excited to just see it continue. Now I have to ask, you're going to take the, the path to the personal here. What kind of culture shock is this like for your your uh, your girl? Or it's gonna be kind of she, she's gone to a few cons with you, so I think she's kind of acclimated to that. But um, you know, having people totally geek as you're walking down the red carpet and stopping you and taking tons of photos and and people interviewing you on the carpet. What's that experience like? Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend has not really seen any anime, and this was her first time watching it. She knew about Dragon Ball Z, obviously, because my association. But not only did she see anime on the big screen in Japanese for the first time, full-blown, great visuals, big, loud sound mix, but she also walked the red carpet with me. <laughs> She's like, wow, this is this is different. This is kind of cool. And after, as soon as the credits rolled, she goes, I actually enjoyed that. That was pretty cool. It's like, all right. All right, cool. I mean, I still have to show her, you know, some, some primer things like Cowboy Bebop, but, uh, you know, for the for the introduction... Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she, 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 she gets the con scene now and, and, and how the, the fandom works and all the, all the bits and pratfalls and, and the perks and, and whatnot of, of all that. And, you know, she's, uh, 
she's acclimating well. You know, she's she's proud of me, and and uh, she's a great source of support and love. Even though it's like it's not totally her cup of tea. You know, she's she's in it for the long haul, and mad props to her. You know, and God bless you. God bless you and, and Sean both. I, I heard you guys talking at length about your interaction with fans at conventions, and it, it, you guys have been doing this for a long time now, you know, since, since uh, 99, 2000. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. I get that, that you're both very fortunate to do what you're doing for a living and having these opportunities, but I don't know if I could just always be nice to the fans. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I still yeah. play, fuck off. I want to go have a cigarette. Right. I want to yeah. see more autographs. Leave me alone. Yeah. My girlfriend was, was quick to say, it's like, it's so sweet how you talk, you make time for every, every person that wants to do an interview or take a picture or get an autograph. I don't think I could do that. And I'm learning. That was true. It, it takes a very special breed of person. And I'm so happy you're that special breed, Kyle. Someone's got to be nice, right? Not everyone has to be a douche canoe, but you know, it's okay. I have to I have to acknowledge our chat room, which uh, goes live with us each every Tuesday night when we record, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we're getting Robert J. saying, she looked kind of bored on the red carpet video. She wasn't bored. I asked her. I said, you kind of have this deer in the headlights look. It's like, I, I, I want to go home. She goes, well, that's only partly true because I was wearing heels. And, you know, any girl can tell you that you, you're good for about half an hour and then you just want to kill things. She ended up losing the heels pretty quickly and then like switching out with, with, uh, with flats. Yeah. After my first con in Dallas, I stopped wearing heels. It, it's too much. Yeah. I thought about it because it makes your calves look fabulous, but you know, no pain, no gain. I'd say, fuck that. Uh, I don't want no pain ever. I don't care what the gain is. So now that we're on this weird tangent, um, <laughs> yes. How how important is proper footwear for you at conventions? I know that you spend a lot of time on your feet, especially uh, you get opening ceremonies, closing ceremonies, things of that nature, walking from your room to different uh, event halls. Um, do you wear inserts or, or do you just, are you very particular about what kind of sneakers you buy? Uh, I should be, I should be more forthright about wearing at least sneakers with good arch support because my, my feet are almost flat. And, uh, they tingle like mad because I'm sitting here wearing things with no art support. I have some custom Gohan painted vans and I love vans because they're slip ons. I love the, just being able to put, I mean, I don't like sandals or any of that and sneakers. They look great and they, they honestly feel good once I have the sneakers on with the art support because, because of my foot situation. But for the, the sheer convenience of it all, I just put on the vans. And so with a lot of walking, standing on your feet, yeah, my feet are tingling and screaming at me at the end of the day. For sure. It's like, fuck you, dude. Where, where are the damn insoles? The, where the, where are the inserts? The orthotics? Come on. Just do something. Your feet aren't made like this. I'm trying to think of this and it's not personal I can get into with you, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, plenty. Yeah. Like, you know, tidy whities, boxers of briefs, all that shit. Wow. Well, yeah. Oh, boxers straight up. I, I can't go back to briefs. It's been boxers for way too long now. Yeah, I'm in a boxer briefs myself. Once again, uh, Steve has been digging through the, uh, the, the disgusting bowels of the internet to, to find geeky things that we can, we can, we can revel in or bitch about. If you don't mind, I'm going to take a brief pause for the cause. Oh, oh, wait. <sighs> <clears throat> Let's get a couple small things out of the way. We've got confirmation that Casey Jones is, in fact, going to be in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. And he's going to be played by Stephen Armel, who, I don't know, curses, I'm not quite sure who that is. Oh, I'll tell you. Stephen Armel is Arrow. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that made this story a little more interesting now. <laughs> this is coming to us officially from Variety. And... uh I guess, you know, he's going to be able to have some of that on screen, on screen chemistry with Megan Fox. If, if you've been watching the Nickelodeon iteration of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Casey Jones certainly has the hot spray pro O'Neill. So we might see a little bit of that coming in this film. And, um, again, the previous, not a, an official announcement, but a very, this was a strong roundabout confirmation that Bebop and Rocksteady from the original 80s cartoons are going to be in this film. Um, I kind of dig it. I've always kind of dug Casey Jones, and I've been a Turtles fan since the the black and white issues of Eastman and Laird's original run came out. So, eh, 
I, I'm a little curious. I think I'm going to go check this out. What about you? Uh, that sounds like uh, it's some pretty inspired casting. Get someone who's really hot right now. Arrow has 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 been you know positive buzz for for several seasons now, and um, to see him already just jump from TV to big screen, you know, for for better or worse, that Ninja Turtles, the latest one, it made enough money to warrant a sequel. So there you go. Michael Bay produced it. Um, I don't know who the hell's going to direct this uh, sequel, and I imagine someone will go see it. Whoever enjoyed the first one, I don't know anyone who did. Uh, <laughs> but um, okay, I don't think it'll end his career because Arrow's still going strong, and uh, yeah, there's probably a, a nice long life ahead for for oh, yeah. Steven there. And and I think even uh, for better or for worse, I don't think this is going to end the career of Megan Fox either. So, <laughs> no, I mean, and many have tried to end the career. I mean, she's put out some shit films and said some some things that would get anyone else crucified in Hollywood, and yet she still exists. She's still here. If you continue to work after Jennifer's body, I think you're pretty immune to the system at this point. Mm, yeah, yeah. I have to throw in that. Uh, I see Alan S in our chat going, sad news. Constantine got canceled. Well, I saw that news, but then I saw the producer of the show come back and said, don't believe the internet. It's not canceled. It's still an uphill battle, but uh, the official decision by NBC has not been made. That's the story I'm sticking with. God damn it. I just saw that on my wall. I think it came across from your feed that said, no, Constantine is not canceled. Um, I guess yay you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yay me. Uh if it sticks around, you guys should just go watch it. It I don't know. Just just go find it somewhere. Watch it. You'll see what I'm talking about. DC's got some good shows. I like Arrow. Gotham I gave up on. Um Flash is really good. But hey, uh speaking of uh what other people in the chat room are talking about, Daredevil. Did you see any of Daredevil this past weekend? It debuted on Netflix. You know, honestly, I meant to. Um I'm I'm not just trying to feed you guys a line. I do want to check it out and I do want to comment uh once I do. I just I haven't had the time. Um as I've posted on Facebook, it's very hard running the world from the shadows and sometimes uh you just don't have the time to do anything. But more importantly, did you? Uh I did. I've seen the first episode. I've not sit there and binge watched. I just don't have the time, but I watched the first episode and I am definitely hooked. It is dark. It's serious. My girlfriend within the first minute goes, this is already better than flash. Of course she thinks flash is too cheesy. I know they're totally different in tone and, and, and everything, but this is already just blown away. The Ben Affleck thing. Not that, that that's any benchmark of quality because anything does, but no, Charlie Fox does amazing. Um, uh, you just got some, some really, really cool acting, cool cinematography uh it's a really really neat approach and um yeah yeah I'm, I'm really really excited to watch the rest of it and i've seen nothing but praise from everybody the one spoiler spoiler free review i kind of dipped my toes into a little bit uh one comment i kind of liked was it's very different from what you'd expect from the marvel cinematic universe and it actually comes off feeling like a um a uh, very serious crime drama. Yeah, exactly. Since, you know, uh, Matt Murdock and, and, and Foggy are, you know, two lawyers basically just starting out their practice in, in, in the series and, uh, having that sort of feel to it might help hook people who would normally just roll their eyes at, Oh, another superhero, huh? It's like, well, no, it's more, it's more reality based. I dig that. And, and I hope they continue in that vein for the rest of the Netflix series. Uh, again, it's just, it's unfortunate that you get this big dump of Daredevil all at once and you can binge that. And then you get to wait like a year before the next Marvel slash Disney show comes out on Netflix. Um, having said that, I guess that means I can look at my calendar. I've got a, about a year to watch Daredevil. Yeah. So just watch one episode a month. <laughs> just pretend that you don't have access to, to all the later ones. Or it can be some spoilers. Find out when he gets the red costume and just start watching from that point forward. Oh, God. Yeah, you just want to ruin everything, don't you? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Hollywood is too busy ruining everything. I'm just a spectator in this car crash. Ah, oh, that's true. Okay, let's, let's stay in the Marvel vein here. Kevin Feige, uh, the big dude who's kind of handling and producing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, what, what's new from the Spider-Man camp? We have a confirmation, and um, good news for all you racists out there. Uh, <laughs> Miles Morales will not be Spider-Man uh, in Marvel's cinematic universe. 
And I still don't know how I feel about that. But uh, Figi, and my apologies for my mispronunciation over the episode of his name, uh, has confirmed that they're going to go with Peter Parker. And not just any Peter Parker. They are going to go with a high school Peter Parker. And they are looking to cast somebody who is literally between 15 and 16 years old. That They're not going to pull a um, Beverly Hills 90210 and hire actors in their 40s to play teenagers. They, they want an actual young teen to play the young Peter Parker. Um, another confirmation is we will not see Spider-Man's or- origin again. So finally, it's a fuck yeah that somebody in Hollywood is listening. We don't need to keep seeing these origin stories. <laughs> Spider-Man debuted in 1963. If you don't know his origin by now, your rock is much bigger than mine. <laughs> Most people have a smartphone and they have Wikipedia and Google at, at, at a moment's notice or even with a voice prompt. It's like, okay, Google, hey, Siri, where did Spider-Man come from? And bam, there it is. Is. That's all you need to know. You know, it's sad because even in uh, Superman versus Batman or, or whatever the fuck they're calling that abortion, you, you're going to have a flashback to uh, Batman's origin. It's so fucking unnecessary. But anyways, uh, back to Spider-Man. Yes. Figi also said that, um, no, you will not see Spider-Man in Age of Ultron. And I don't know if you've caught this wacky shit going on, but they're also saying there's no post-credits uh, scene in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Joss Whedon saying that, and he said, I'm not trying to pull a fast one on you guys. I'm serious. There's not, there, there, there is one like little post credits one, but not one after the credits are totally done, like people usually expect from a Marvel flick. No, it's being very clear. I don't want be, people being pissed if you sit through 15 minutes of credits and then that's it. There's nothing else. Um, so in that vein, he confirmed, no, we're not even going to do a, a tease on with Spider Man in the end of the credits. So as far as we know, uh, what, what Marvel said from go regarding Spider-Man is pretty true that our first appearance, uh, that we'll be able to see on the big screen will be in, in civil war, which I'm okay with. Uh, however, he does say, you know, Spider-Man does technically already exist in the Marvel cinematic universe. He's just swinging around in his homemade costume and it hasn't become the, the full fledged superhero just yet. So even though, you know, they're saying no Spider-Man, no Spider-Man, no Spider-Man, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, when Ultron comes out, somebody makes that a faint image of somebody swinging way, way, way off in the distance and just gets all the fanboys like me wet. Yeah. And they can just make it reality based. Like, uh, he could just hire a cosplayer seamstress to, to make a, a badass cosplay. He's like, he just walk into San Diego Comic Con. It's like, you, I want you to make my costume. I'm going to pay you mu- some hush money. So basically the consensus is Disney and Marvel, um, they feel compelled to go with the sure shot. Everybody knows Peter Parker is Spider Man. It, it's not a slight towards uh having a more racially balanced spider-man or, or anything of that nature it's just that spider-man's been beaten up over the last few films and i can't say it enough when your domestic take is 200 million dollars on a spider-man film you definitely sure as shit did something wrong uh, <laughs> that's i don't even know if that's the budget you know that you're making back domestically that's sad so um i think they're gonna play it a little careful a little little closer to the chest and then start playing a little too fast and loose with the character and i don't know the more i think about it i think the more okay i am with it i am a tremendous spider-man fan and i love uh what Raimi brought to the screen in the first two anyway um i i did not like the andrew garfield films at all but back under marvel mostly control because again sony still does have final say with what happens with spider-man but under mostly Marvel's control, I think we have nothing to worry about. We've had nothing to worry about yet. Uh, and I don't really foresee an issue with Spider-Man. Right. And meanwhile, in the X-Men universe, the next sequel, X-Men Apocalypse, has gained a new cast member in uh, Psylocke, Olivia Munn. That one came out of left field. Absolutely out of left field. Um, I know Olivia Munn uh, primarily from back in the, the G4 days. Yeah. She's a hottie, definitely. And, uh, you know, she was one of the first that was uh, kind of targeted by the, the blogosphere for kind of being a, a fake geek. You know, oh, you're not a real girl geek. You, you just play one on TV. Um, she left G4 uh, kind of reminiscent of when, uh, what's his name there, the, the guy who played Eric Foreman on that 70s show. 
uh, Topher Grace. Mm-hmm. Topher Grace left that 70s show, which was still incredibly popular because he had all these visions. I'm going to be this big star in Hollywood. And after playing Venom in Spider-Man, I don't know what really happened to his career. I don't see much of him. And Mun was kind of the same thing. I'm going to be a big star in Hollywood. And she had a very, very, very brief cameo in one of the Iron Man films. Um, and I thought that was it. I thought that was going to kind of be the end of her, but to come back being announced in the X-Men film that, yeah, that was out of left field. Yeah. And I, I love what Brian Singer's doing in the X-Men cinematic universe now with, with the first class. And then obviously days of future past really excited to see what they do that, even though, you know, Fox is holding on to it. It's still not under the Disney envelope, but it's not a bad thing. Cause I think, I think they're back on track with the X-Men universe. So if they want to take a, a, a bit of a gamble in the casting thing, I, I trust I trust Brian Singer's um, you know judgment there. I kind of dig what they're doing with Archangel. Did you get to see the uh, concept art tease for Archangel? I did not. You'll see it at some point, I'm sure. It, it's decent, and and you know even for me to make a concession, it's a pretty big deal. Um, but I get that you look back at these books and, and you look at the characters and their costumes. It just it can't fly nowadays. It would end up looking like uh, Batman and Robin. So I understand you have to make some modifications to some designs in order for it to really pull off and, and be taken a little bit more seriously. The one complaint that some people have had is it looks too steampunk. But I, I'm willing to accept that because, again, you have to make it look in a somewhat believable universe. So, so far, I'm excited for a few films you wouldn't think I'd be excited for. <laughs> And speaking of people, uh, uh, things that people might or may not be excited for, we know we had an Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton, and we know that the uh, Hulk in Avengers, Mark Ruffalo, uh, made a bigger splash. He's still back for Age of Ultron. He is Bruce Banner. He is the Hulk from now on. But will we see any more cinematic solo Hulk movies? Not in the foreseeable future, and probably not for the reasons you think. Now, I don't know about you, Kyle, but this took me completely by surprise. Actually, I think it took a lot of geekdom by surprise, and, and Ruffalo kind of let the cat out of the bag about what exactly is the hang-up with, with the Hulk films. Now, apparently, uh, this has to do with Universal, of all studios. Uh, but Universal doesn't own the rights to the character of the Hulk. Marvel does. But um, thanks to a partnership with Marvel on 2003's Hulk and 2008's Incredible Hulk movies, it appears Universal still has somewhat of an involvement in the Hulk series, and they get a cut of the profits as well. And anything, I guess, from what Ruffalo is saying, is that anything that Marvel or Disney would choose to do with a standalone Hulk film they'd have to give a, a certain portion of the proceeds to Universal. And right now, Marvel uh, probably doesn't want to do that, especially when they're in a weird kind of proper sharing thing with Spider-Man. Um, his exact quote is, as far as a Hulk movie, a standalone Hulk movie, Marvel doesn't really have the rights to do that yet. That's still Universal. That's still a Universal property. So there's the issue. There's a big impediment to moving forward with that. Now, I don't think it's insurmountable, by the way, but I don't know where it's going uh, going to go from here for me. I don't think there's much to worry about because I think Hulk's still going to be in the, the upcoming films, any uh, Avengers or, or the overall arc of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Do we need a Hulk standalone movie? Um, my opinion, no. I don't think he's a character that needs a standalone movie. I think as long as he shows up and does what he's paid to do, which is smash, I'm happy, but to really bog it down with two, two and a half hours of, you know, that, that's really angsty. That's really like, it kind of grinds on you after a while. And then, <laughs> and it's kind of like watching a Dragon Ball Z movie at the same time too, because who's going to stop the Hulk? Nobody's going to stop the Hulk. So it, there's no real sense of, of impending doom or anything for your main character either. So I'm happy we get the Hulk that we get. And I think it's the best incarnation of the Hulk that we've got in recent years. Um, and I'm happy with the amount of Hulk we're getting. And I know that Edward Norton is kicking himself for being a douchebag uh, all those years back, refusing to do press, getting all butt hurt. Oh, it's like, oh, you ruined my script. Da, 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 da. Uh, okay, all right, fine, we'll just replace you. <laughs> well, in fairness, they did. I meant in terms of ruining his script, but well, they did make it faster paced. Did you did you catch the new Ant Man trailer? I did, and uh, again, I'm sure our opinions are going to vary greatly on this. Um, I had two initial takes on that, and the, the first was, how does this really fit in with the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's been established so far? Right. 
incorporating a character like this. And the second was, didn't I see this before? Except it starred Rick Moranis, and it was called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> yeah, but um, I wonder, you know, Ant-Man's been around longer than Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But yeah, cinematic-wise, people are going to wonder. Like, It's just like Deathstroke and Deadpool, you know, Wade Wilson, Slade Wilson. I guess Deathstroke was technically first, but Deadpool's way more popular. Hence, he gets the movie, right? I think we know a lot of things going to happen in the upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe films. And, and Marvel, to a certain degree, has tipped their hand. And, you know, the lineup you see now in the Avengers is not going to be the lineup you see probably by the time you get around into the beginning of Infinity Wars, the, all the post-Civil War stuff. So I understand um, bringing all these new characters up, uh, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, um, Captain Marvel. I just, I don't know. Right now, I have a hard time seeing Ant-Man in that fold with the Avengers. That's just me. It's just a hang-up that I have, and I don't think anybody should even take that remotely seriously. Um, but I keep thinking, what's he going to bring to the table? Because he's not bringing to the table all the stuff he should have, like being the creator of Ultron, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I guess they don't want to blow their wad. I would assume any any overarching connection to the cinematic universe will obviously be divulged as you watch the movie, and they're not just going to just just shoot it out the, you know, in in the trailer. It's like, oh, that's why. Oh, look, it's Iron Man. You know, that sort of shit. You know, just I guess keep it. I guess pretty central to his own story. For, for what that's worth, and then it'll it'll probably carry over into something bigger. Um, I hope that they bring Wasp in at some point. Um, I, I know she was probably one of the weakest characters on the Avengers, but, I mean, I want to be able to see big screen spousal abuse. <laughs> right? Because that, that, that's up there with seeing Tony Stark battle alcoholism, right? Exactly. Other uh, trailer thoughts. Um, I, I, I thought it looked pretty good. Um, I don't think it's going to be like... Better than the Avengers. I think Avengers is going to just fucking knock it out of the park. Ant-Man, you know, I like Paul Rudd. I think he's really, really funny. And here's a chance for him to maybe pull a serious too, which, you know, Chris Pratt could pull it off, you know, serious and funny. He got the, he got the right blend with, with Guardians of the Galaxy and all that and with the right people in charge. Yeah. I'm a little sad that Edgar Wright didn't get to, to do his vision of Ant-Man because they had a creative difference between him and Marvel. Marvel is is obviously on the upswing. Uh, they've got more hits than misses, and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. But uh, meanwhile, one that doesn't give me any excitement at all, the more I see of it, is Terminator Genesis. That just looks like it's just retreading everything we've already seen and offering nothing new, but maybe like a, a, a plot twist here and there and maybe newer gen effects. But you know, and again, I think that's where it kind of surprises me because yeah, I could see me saying, yeah, I'm not going to waste my time with that. And maybe at some point when it's on network TV, I'll check it out. But I figured that you would at least say, uh, you know, it's going to have action and, and it looks like it's going to be a fun popcorn flick. And not that you'd be there opening night, but I figured you'd probably be there with an opening week. <laughs> Well, I, I, it just doesn't grab me that much. It's like there's another liquid metal Terminator in it, and oh, he's Asian. Great. Okay, so now we're all right. <laughs> and then now he gets to the choppa. That's great. Okay, it's awesome. I guess. I, I only dug the first two. After that, um, they they disappointed immediately with the third one. That was horrible. I couldn't wait for the movie to end at that point. I've never walked out on a movie because it hurt. I, I'm a sucker. I'll, I'll stay there and I'll, I'll take all that pain and angst. And I think that's what makes me the better person than I am today. <laughs> but if I knew then what I knew now, I probably would have walked out of that film. <laughs> you've, uh, yeah, you, you, you've suffered. So many other geeks don't have to. I try. And, you know, I, I, I get on my pulpit here once a week and I, I preach to the audience and they don't listen. They still go out and watch shitty films. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't get why they just rebooted the movie series. I I wanted Sarah Connor Chronicles, the TV show, to, to, to wrap up. And they should have, damn it. I don't care about the damn ratings. Especially now. Now that that shows are, are they pay more attention to DVR and, and on-demand stuff now, more so than just the broadcast ratings. Maybe that wasn't the case with the Terminator TV series before. And I, I was initially really uh skeptical about it it's like this is gonna be terrible and i ended up liking it a lot and i thought it was good it had a following 
but the ratings weren't weren't enough to for Fox to keep it, and that's just the big joke. Fox launches something cool, then they yank it, and of course that was no exception to the rule. But uh, here we are, 2015, and they think Terminator is still a viable cinematic franchise, even though I've yet to find anyone who thinks that the past two movies hold a candle to the 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 first two. No, and it, you know Arnold kind of felt his career was on pause while he was governing over in your fine state of California. And now that he's free, of course he wants to revisit all these properties. So I get that, but I kind of think he's the only one that's thinking, oh, this is a viable future. A little trouble over on the DC side of things. Mm-hmm. And I guess we're having a bit of controversy with Wonder Woman. And apparently Game of Thrones veteran Michelle McLaren is not going to be directing the film after all. She left the project over, quote, creative differences. And you and I, Kyle, have heard that term a lot, especially when it comes to uh, music musicians and bands that fall apart and creative differences doesn't ever mean anything good. So I don't know what this means. Uh, as, as you just stated a little while ago, DC is already kind of a little uh, behind the curve with Marvel and now losing their second uh, director for Wonder Woman. Uh, and of course, a tentpole character in Justice League. I don't know what's going to happen from this point going forward. That's just been a wibbly wobbly thing. Pardon the doctor who ref. That I don't even watch. Yeah, the whole debacle of Wonder Woman production hell through the years. You know, you thought that you'd see some some movement with, you know, Joss Whedon writing the screenplay and possibly even directing, remember, a few years ago. And then that just, that didn't happen. And then you had an NBC pilot commissioned and that fell through. And then we have the cinematic one with, you know, Batman v Superman. She'll pop in there and then she gets a solo movie. Okay. Well, let's let's say, yay, girl power. Let's get a uh, let's get a woman director on a, on a woman centric movie. Okay, let's do that. And then creative differences. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Are people uh, scared of the direction the cinematic universe is going versus maybe where the director saw the character going to make it a little bit different than that? James Gunn was quick to d- defend Edgar Wright, you know, and what went down. It's like no one needs to be pointing fingers at Marvel for, for, for the, the Ant-Man fallout and all that stuff. And, of course, it's too soon to know about the Wonder Woman thing, what the real story is. We're probably not going to hear for a while what it was creatively they, they were taking umbrage with. And, you know, DC hasn't announced any changes to their release schedule yet. Wonder Woman's still on the slate for a 2017 release. Um, and, and again, you know, not only is their second director, but their second female director to walk away from this, uh, role. I feel at this point it might kind of be rushed and sloppy, but to be honest, I kind of expect at least sloppy out of a DC film already. And I know that's horrible for me to say, but you just, when you talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe in DC, you're really comparing apples to oranges. Yes, DC has television lockdown, absolutely more power to them, but, in terms of the big screen, I don't know that there's a lot of hype and hope already for this. Maybe Hollywood, maybe the writers, the producers, they just don't get it. They just don't get writing a, a female character that will do it justice so it doesn't play to all the cliches and doesn't just man bash or something like that. That's something that will be empowering and just as cool and all that and trying to trying to find that balance. You know, maybe that that's why you're having two directors just throw their arms up and saying, you know what, fuck this. This this is this is not helping the property. This is not helping me. I'm just going to shoot myself now. But then, you know, there's always the opposite side of the coin and something kind of weird comes out of the ether and and, and you just kind of get to sit up and go, what? Because we're talking about what a downer this is about Wonder Woman and, and what an important character is for Justice League. But then there's word about Warner Brothers Flash movie coming out. And uh, I know you, you dug the Lego movie, and I don't know anybody who saw 21 Jump Street, but apparently the writer-director team of Phil Lord and Chris Miller are in the process of writing a treatment for the Scarlet Speedster's big screen adaptation. And right now it's unclear if the pair will direct the feature, although it does remain a possibility. So that might be the other side of the coin to the Wonder Woman debacle. Maybe the Flash thing is going to be the, the saving grace for DC cinematically. I also wonder if, you know, because they've already cast him, I forgot the actor, but it's not Grant Gustin from the from the TV series. And that, that almost felt like a slap in the face. It's almost like, let's make a Green Arrow movie, but not with Stephen Amell, even though he's the reason Arrow is on the map right now. And the Flash is doing well on CW equally as well, if not more. 
And then you're like, okay, let's just do it different. It's like, well, what's your justification for doing different? Are you going to age the character by 10, 15, 20 years? Or are you going to have the same exact age with the same events and all that and, and cause confusion? Or it's like, well, just pay attention to this one. And this one doesn't spill over into this one. Whereas, you know, Marvel TV and movies do cross over and they work very hard to keep that continuity. What's pretty wild is it's currently set to be released on March 23rd, 2018. And what's significant about that is it's just six weeks ahead of the Avengers Affinity War Part 1. So, ooh, a little gutsy, a little ballsy for DC. How about giant monsters? We've been talking about, you know, superheroes for a while. I know it sounds like we're a Marvel podcast and sometimes we're a Star Wars podcast, but... Sometimes you got to live some kai- give some kaiju love. What's the scoop on uh, Japan? You know, we had Godzilla come out in America and make uh, somewhat of a splash, but probably not as big as uh, as legendary films and, and Warner Brothers probably had uh, hoped for. But over in Japan, the folks who created the lovely lizard in the first place, um, some plans are a brewing. Well, I mean, Japan's crazy. I don't mean that in a bad way, but Japan is is the batshit insane person um in in the group i know you talk anime one of the staples everybody if you haven't seen it you've at least heard of it is neon genesis evangelion and and what a fucking head trip that film is well apparently the news is that hideki anno who is the the creator of neon genesis evangelion is going to write as well as serve as the quote chief director overseeing the entire project of this new godzilla film slated for 2016 So just let that sink in for a moment there. Okay, so it's going to be really cool and revolutionary and then have a huge what-the-fuck ending that no one can interpret. Well, your main character spends 90% of the time looking for his tampons because he's a fucking whiny crybaby. (laughs) Every time I see a a, a plot for an anime or or, or see something just completely out there, my, my, my reaction is the same. I just say, oh, Japan. Yeah, and I guess this is the second time that Anno was uh, approached. The first time he said, it's impossible. I also have Evangelion to do. And however, he did come around to doing the film, and he wants to express his gratitude for all the movies that came before that, all the science fiction that embraced Japan uh, prior to his involvement. So he, I guess from the sound of things, wants to kind of take a nostalgic approach to what is it that made uh, not only Japanese culture, but the world embrace Godzilla. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's got to be a head fuck. It's got to be like, at the end of the movie, I don't know, is this going to be Pacific Rim level shit times 10 on acid? <laughs> I personally hope, uh, I, I'm looking forward to Pacific Rim 2. I would love to see a crossover. I want to see Godzilla kick some ass along with some Jaegers. That's just me. For me right now, there's just no way Pacific Rim could fail. I, I fell in love with the first one. It is such a, a disaster, but it's such a fabulous disaster. It's, oh, it's it's wonderful. Again, it's that train wreck. You just you can't take your eyes off it. And it is it's wonderful. I've seen it numerous times, and and I still have that that youthful uh, invigoration every time I watch. It takes me back to my childhood and watching Creature Double Feature on a Saturday afternoon. So yeah, I. I don't even have any expectations formed in my head about uh, Pacific Rim 2. I'm just going to go in and enjoy the fuck out whatever they want to throw at me for two hours. Uh, I mentioned Comic-Con before. So San Diego Comic-Con, it's its own juggernaut, right? It, it, it's the hub for geeks. Every year in San Diego, Converge, it, it keeps that whole city's economy thriving with like a billion dollars of income every year. It is crazy, crazy. But now... They're taking things to the next level and launching a year-round video-on-demand service. What's up with that? We have a, I suppose this is a leaked press release, and a quote right from it says that the new service will launch with a broad portfolio of content, including original short-form content created exclusively for the channel subscribers, films and television series from Lionsgate, and other studios designed to appeal to the the diverse interest of Comic-Con's fan base, as well as an exclusive archival, exclusive archival footage from Comic-Con's 45 year history. Now, what a lot of the speculation is that, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of interviews, a lot of uh, guests interviewed at Comic-Con over the years. They're going to have those uh, for display on this channel, as well as um, maybe some history of some of the, the panels, maybe some cosplay. But this is, again, in partnership with Liongate. And honestly, 
even with uh, its its uh, 45-year history, you really can't have a 365-day online event and have enough content to fill everything. So you're going to have some Lion Gate properties and films in there, padding out the time, doing some buffer for you. I don't know. I mean, I'm not that into cons. Um, and if I want my superhero news, I go to sites like Superhero Hype or Topless Robot or, or something. I personally don't need a video on demand service all about Comic-Con. And I kind of question if anybody really does. At BB Broadcast Kids, do you want a Comic-Con channel? Maybe they should just do the YouTube route, have, 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 have the YouTube channel thing, because, you know, that's the thing. Even though you or I may, may question how, mu- how much of a demand there is for it, I'm sure there's someone out there. The, the question is, how many are going to make it viable and, you know, can they make money with it? You know, I, I know that for the contingency of people out there that want to travel to San Diego but simply can't afford it or sit in those god-awful long lines to get into the panel rooms or sit there and have to camp out all night. Uh, meanwhile, you know, much like a sporting event, why would you pay to, you know, see some ants play on a sports field and pay these ludicrous ticket prices when you can sit at home, watch on an HD TV, crisp color, better angles than you could ever hope for at the convenience of your home? You never have to leave the house and you get the news. And if TV and video is your thing, then that could help scratch that itch. The timing is admittedly kind of weird. Of course, you have Comic-Con coming in July of this year, <clears throat> and their late, their date to launch is sometime later this year. And generally, when you see later this year, you're probably thinking maybe late third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter. Um, so it won't even include any of the events, panels, guests, interviews, etc. from this Comic-Con. I guess if you miss Comic-Con and you really want to catch up on all the coverage you might be interested in watching it all months later but at that point all the big sites ign and everything they're going to cover it in droves they're going to have live streaming and tons of archive video when when i go to comic-con and it's only just been a handful of times but i stay in the exhibit hall and i refresh twitter every five minutes which i do anyway so i get my geek news that way through you know cinema blend ain't it cool superhero hype, all that, all those sites, IGN, they're all reporting anyway. And I figure I don't have to sit in a panel room and wonder what's going to happen next. I can, I can just get screen caps. I can get, you know, now that they have live video, you know, with, with apps like Periscope where anyone with a smartphone can sit there and live stream video from anywhere. I may check it out once this thing launches, but I don't know that I'm going to be that dedicated to, to always you know, tuning in or, or, or seeing what they have. Cause I'll, I'll be, I will have already consumed it from other sources. Exactly. And being a paid subscription service, I, I guess the only saving grace could be like a 30 day trial or something, because I think this is something you would want to kind of approach cautiously and, and really check out what type of programming and content's available before uh, plunking down some coin. It's just unfortunate that it's a very early release. We don't have a price point right now or a specific release date. But I think a trial closer to launch or, or right at launch would help to kind of clarify what this really is. We got a couple more news stories from the Google universe. Uh, this first one, it's really interesting because when I watch a show like Walking Dead, I get so pissed off when people from the East Coast start posting spoilers. Spoilers drive me up the wall. But but uh, it looks like Google is, is is attempting to help curb that problem. It's, it's it's beyond just creating a hashtag and blocking that in your feed, right? It's something a little more uh, revolutionary, hopefully. Well, it's something Google's taking very seriously. It's, it's heard the cries of, of people like you. And I know AMC has really fucked up some uh, spoilers with Walking Dead. So apparently Google's filed a new patent and it details a new system that would keep track of what you're watching um, and, and books in, as well, which I think is pretty cool. So shows books and movies. And instead of blocking the post that contains a spoiler, it will instead blur the content with a pop-up warning. So kind of like a, a pop-up window with a filter on it will pop up over the content and warn you, you know, you may not be this far in the series or you ha- may not have seen this movie or read this book. Kind of proceed with caution. And I kind of dig it's an automated filter that can do that. But then I think about, you know, the disastrous effects that it could have at launch where it's just randomly blocking other feeds and other things that have nothing to do about what you're trying to stay spoiler free from. (laughs) Um, It's a bitch with spoilers. And I know you can speak at length to that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I guess the scary part of that is is that it is it is kind of sli- silently lurking in the background, you know, gathering information. Not that it's some dude sitting there in a, in an FBI van watching, but it's that you know of that you know of. But you're like, okay, so it's keeping track of my habits and 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 what I'm watching and all that. I do like that that concept of blurring out and giving you some sort of visible warning that it's like this could be a spoiler. But how do they know what what truly is a spoiler and what what isn't? I guess just any discussion at all. In this day and age, things come across our news news feed so fast, and with a lot of smartphones, when you get a text or, or you have certain alerts from certain social networks, you'll get a text crawl across the top of your phone. And sometimes you don't have that opportunity to post in, in big, glowing, flashing letters, spoiler alert. So it seems you inadvertently are always going to be exposed to it to some degree. And I don't know what kind of like cross-platform ability this is going to have uh, to try to do that. I guess any effort at this point is better than no effort. But it seems like a lot of effort. They got the money. They got the time. Well, that's how they're going to pay for all this. I, I like that segue right. into this next thing. The rumors are true. Google is actually going to be going forward and having a pay service for YouTube um, in an attempt to become more competitive with services such as Netflix and Hulu. This service is going to essentially block all ad content from the videos that you watch. That's all we pretty much know for certain right now. Will they be offering original content like Netflix does? Possibly. Again, we spent a good amount of the show talking about Daredevil and, and what Disney and Marvel are doing over on Netflix. Why not open up that playing field? For Google, it would be an incredibly brilliant thing to do. Um, and of course, one question that hasn't been answered yet is, is there going to be a tremendous difference between the pay service and the, the casual, uh, user like myself? You know, are they going to start throttling or, or, or fucking with, uh, video quality? kind of push you in that direction to that paid service, maybe taking some very popular channels and bringing them over to a paid content uh, paywall. I don't know, but it kind of seems like a duh. You know, of course you need to catch up with, with Netflix and Hulu and these other things. This is what you're doing. You're, you're the number one video content provider in the world. Of course you're going to find a way to monetize that. I can't exactly beat Google up for that. Yeah, and hopefully they won't follow the Hulu model of repeating the same fucking commercial at every break, I do like the fact that the commercial breaks that they do put in the Hulu feed are shorter than your typical network TV breaks, but they just repeat the same spot the whole hour that you're watching a show. I've been getting bombarded lately with uh, Church of Scientology ads <laughs> combating that HBO documentary that came out last week, and I'm a little sick of those. Oh, no. Well, hopefully you guys aren't sick of us. We're, we're 21 episodes in of all the geeky news you can use. Hopefully you like us. And whether you do or don't, you need to let us know. We want feedback. We really appreciate folks like Dork of All Trades who said, had a lot of fun hanging out on the BB broadcast chat tonight. Great podcast. Check it out. Thanks to Alan S. and Robert J. Sigmund 88, everyone who uh, comes into our chat room on Tuesday nights when we stream our uh, live audio recording at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Got any closing thoughts, Steve? I do. Um, Robert J. in the chat says, you guys should tweet to at that Kevin Smith and try to get him as a guest on the Big Ball broadcast. Well, kids, that's going to sound like a great idea. And I think what you can do to help is tweet at us or tweet at Kevin or tweet at Smodcast and put it out there. And if there's enough demand, uh, maybe we can make that happen. Yeah. We'd love to sit here and talk about Clerks 3 and Mallrats 2. But uh, for now, we got to pull the plug. We got to call it a night. But uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. Until next time, this is Kyle Abair. And this is Otherworld Steve. See y'all. Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by iShine, Perimeter of the Void, and Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email the Big Ball Broadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.